Hi guys, I'm the Impaired Grappler and welcome to my podcast. Today is an audio-only podcast because we had technical difficulties uh, for the video, but the audio is still okay, so I thought you guys uh, might enjoy it. So yeah, I interviewed Luke Beston from Beston Gracie Jiu-Jitsu in Newcastle. So yeah, we basically talk about memes, trolls, uh, blue belts, uh, his uh, beginnings in martial arts and like back in the day... Uh, traveling and going to Brazil, first time meeting the Gracies and all that. Uh, we talk about Kali and Jiu-Jitsu, uh, sort of self-defense. We talk about martial versus art. Uh, we go in, we discuss sort of the lockdown and sort of the media and frustrations and stuff. And uh, we talk about his philosophy for learning and all that sort of stuff and his stretching protocol and any routine changes that Luke's had pre-post-Rona kind of thing. Uh, and finding order out of chaos so hope you guys enjoy sorry again for the audio only but uh yes at the end of the video i'll explain the exact technical difficulties for anyone interested so yeah hope you guys enjoy and we'll catch you later us Alrighty, guys i'm the impaired grappler and welcome to my podcast today we have a very special guest um live from north of the border from a more free place at the moment especially with regards to jiu-jitsu and all that so it's uh it's luke beston from New newcastle from best and gracie jiu-jitsu in newcastle and um i guess sort of the a, a lot of sort of country new south wales he has a few affiliates and stuff so um so yeah welcome man so thank you uh, first interview so you have to bear with me i haven't haven't been this, i've never been interviewed before so Oh, that's fine. That's fine. Best. Like you know, we're very, uh, we're very gentle here. Very uh, pro everyone. Excellent. Uh, especially like, yeah, very pro troll because you know even trolls have a heart. So if you can empathise with the troll, then you can, yeah, then um, you can start understanding a lot about the world. And so, just starting Absolutely. on that. Um, just with regards to sort of meme craft and trolling, like for me, a meme can, can be one of the highest forms of communication, especially when done correctly. And, and you know, like comedy transcends borders and, and even generations. Like if I told you, uh, if I mention the name Adam Boom, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? I've never heard of that. Sorry, Adam Boom, the cricketer. You remember being from oh, the eighties? Okay. Like, Is that the one that drank a lot? I don't. I've yes. never, I've well, never that, that's the answer. It. Yes, like you yeah. don't even follow cricket. You don't know anyone, yeah. and you know that yeah. guy uh, drank a lot. Yeah, he had yeah, the record drinking number of tinnies. That to me is a meme. That one okay. image. Like you yep. don't even know cricket, and that image is in your brain. Gotcha. So that that just shows shows the power of it. Um, True, I see. Yeah, you know, there's other Absolutely things right. which we won't talk about. Sort of, sort of the Richard Gear kind of thing that went around, and that was pre pre internet, uh, VHS time. So it's not. It wasn't even easy to transform. So like nowadays with the internet, we've got like memes that go viral. And, you know, with a, a lot of the uh, um, anonymous 
uh, accounts that have like been able to do research on fire things and put things into a meme and then it's like wow it's so powerful imagery so like just wondering like your thoughts on that and because uh, you're like pretty you know you're pretty sort of um, well known in the Jiu-Jitsu community for uh, you know s- spreading some cool memes <laughs> yeah so my whole philosophy is like every good troll or every good meme, there has to be like a shiny nugget of truth at the centre. If there's no like little shiny nugget of truth that triggers the right people and, and amuses the right people, then, you know, it's it's uh, it's not it's not valid. Yeah. Okay. So talking about being anonymous, I've never been anonymous on the internet, like even from the early days before social media, they had the forums and stuff, always used my my real name. So it's the other thing I'd say about that. So, and I don't know about well-known, like my Facebook, like I, everything's private. I think on my Facebook, I just do that for my friends like yourself and that, you know, extended mm. jujitsu family. So, um, yeah, not looking to go viral or anything like that. Just, just, you know, it's like the whole, um, uh, there's the comedian. I've lost his name right now. He's the, the Andy Kaufman. It's it's like the only person who needs to find it funny is me. If I find it funny, then then it's funny. I don't really care if anyone else uh, likes it too much. So yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, and what like because you know we all respect all levels of jujitsu: white belt, purple belt, brown belt, black belt, everything. Uh, obviously not blue belt, but um, just tell me your just thoughts like, on blue yeah. belts and. Um, <laughs> To me, it feels like blue belts uh, running the joint at the moment. <laughs> if you could, um... yep. So there's there's strength in numbers. So like I, I give blue belts a hard time on the internet, but I I say that's because you know if I picked on the white belts, that's not fair. The blue belts know me well enough to know that I'm only joking, but they're horrible and incompetent enough to deserve my hate and disgust. You know, so. Um, that's basically my idea on that. So, and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Anytime I, you know, ask a blue belt to help me teach something, it's just a, it's a cluster, it's a disaster. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure whether I started at the chicken or the egg, but yeah, but they're always horrible. Like, you know, well, well, that. But I think everyone agrees that blue belts are horrible. Well, it's kind of like, um, well, it's just a when we we've all been there at the blue belt level, and it's you know, you, you know, where you go through those hurt, those um troughs and that peaks and valleys and it's like yeah i'm going awesome and it's like oh oh no nothing um i think that blue belt level is like really important for that uh like you go through the transition of being top dog in the white belt you know no one really smashing you too hard to get in your blue belt now everyone coming after you and then it's like yeah there's there's a lot of uh i think getting through the blue belt stage once you get past there and through all the trials and tribulations and like everyone smashing you because you've got a color, I think, yeah, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like an in-between phase of growth. Yeah. Know. Yeah. No, I've, I've blocked out my, my blue belt days. It's a little bit of cognitive dissonance there. Yeah. So, but it was, it was very like, seriously, it was very different when I was a blue belt. Like mm. when I was a blue belt, maybe the highest in the country was brown. Um, the highest in the state was blue. And there was all these guys, like I won't name names, but they all went on to fight UFC and world champions and this and that. And it was me that was as a blue belt, like not you know, not not really, you know, it could be mentioned in the same sentence. So it 
it was surreal. Like when I first started, it was, you know, it was like, well, you know, there was only a few blue belts in the state. And I was like, wonder if one day I'll be able to be a blue belt. If I could be a blue belt, that'd be amazing. Hmm. And then, you know, and then, and then, and then it was like, if, if I get the blue belt, not now, it's just like, okay, you hang around for a year or two and, you know, we have good instructors and access to that and everyone becomes a blue belt eventually. Yeah. So tell us about, yeah, talking about that as blue belt, tell us about your beginnings, like what really got you into it? Where, was it like mid-90s? Like when was it? Like why? And, you know. Yeah, so always like really like the martial arts, like horrible at sports, horrible like we, like we discussed already, like couldn't play cricket, football, can't catch, can't throw, can't any of that, but really like martial arts for some reason. And then same as, you know, a lot of people from my generation, like there was UFC 1, 2, and then um, 3. And so it was around like 94 when I started training. There wasn't jiu-jitsu proper in my city. There was a submission grappling club with um, Neil Body, Neil Bodycott, Neil and Wright. So Neil's passed away. Now he fought in that first Australian UFC way, way back when. And then, um, yeah, so this is like 94, 95. And then um, Sean Kirkwood had a jiu-jitsu club at, at Rutherford, which is like an hour's drive from where I live. I used to drive there once, or, uh, twice a week to train with him until he, until he moved to Newcastle. Okay, so like, um, so t- t- can you talk about travel? Like you were in Newcastle, obviously, it's not like back then, it wasn't much around. And then like, you know, then first time you went to Brazil and sort of how that came about and like the whole experience yeah. of what you kind of learned from there. But, Sure. So yeah, but there, there I was very lucky before we talk about travel. There was those people that had been there before me. So I wasn't like the the trailblazer even in my city. There was other mm. people like Neil and Ian and and Sean who were the real like pioneers. But yeah, um, as soon as soon as I was old enough, like first time I got on a plane was to um to go to Brazil. Long haul travel, new to all that. You know, this before the internet. So the first time I went to Brazil was '97. Yeah. You know, so like a bunch of Australians have been there be- before me, obviously. But um. It was still like new for us, and um, this was before a lot of Brazilians had started moving up to America. So it was really like the who's who all still trained in, mm-hmm. in Brazil. And like I said before, the internet. So how we had to find things it was the lonely planet, the book you could buy at the at like the bookstore. Angus and Rom, so you buy the book, and we found the hostel that we we're going to stay in. The book called yeah. Send Money Orders. Read before, like you know, it was a different world back then. Mm-hmm. Get, get to Brazil. The first night we get there, it's pitch black. And we're like, let's go out, let's go out. And then all of a sudden we hear gunshots outside the hostel. We're like, oh, well, let's wait till tomorrow morning so we get the, the lay of the land. So it was, yeah, it was very, it was an adventure, you know, it was, mm. it was um, special times. Yeah, cool. So, like, well, t- tell about, like, your first experience, like, with the Gracie family, especially, like, back then that would have been, uh, well, they're, they're pretty a deified family, I guess. And then even, especially Helio Gracie, like, you, you met him. And then sort of back when he's a, he was alive or like he was way different. Oh, not way different, but like the perception of him, I feel has got, has changed over the years from before and after, uh, his, his death. Um, yeah. Can you just talk about like what it was like? Cause. Sure. So first, first Gracie I met would have been Carlos Gracie Jr. He came to Australia in 95, did a seminar with him. And, um, he, he brought out like Marcio Feitoza and, and Professor Gordo and that's so these legends of Jiu-Jitsu. That was awesome to train with. That was in Sydney. Um, we visited Gracie Baja that first trip to, to Brazil. So I went to Brazil a couple of times before I met my wife, Angela. Um, met, um, so met Angela and got married at Purple Belt. So that's when I really started to, 
train a lot more with Hoist, Hoyler, and, and those people, and then went back to Brazil several times with Andrew, and that's what I met um, Master Elia, Grandmaster Elia. She took me to his um, his ranch, which is no longer there. The ranch is gone. Grandmaster yeah. Elia is gone, but, you know, the legacy lives on. Oh, they're building, they've built these other properties up there, haven't they? I think Not sure. I haven't kept, kept in touch. I know um, Don Averta, his wife, moved moved to an apartment. So, yeah, it was beautiful there. The, the, the ranch was absolutely amazing, yeah. Yeah, I hear your professor talking about it a lot. Um, yeah, so like with regards to Angela and the Gracie diet, are you sort of following that at the moment? Like what's your, like with your history with that, I'm sure you're going Depends who's asking you. If Voice is watching this, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Gracie diet, breakfast, lunch yeah. and tea. I should know. I, you know, that my, my diet could be better. That's one of my, my vices, so. Um, Angela, Angela does follow it religiously. So, um, whenever she cooks for me, it's, it's Gracie diet. And then, but sometimes I'm slack. Like, uh, I work full time, coach full time. So, um, sometimes, you know, that's my excuse anyway. It's a, it's a little bit of a cop out, but I'll, I'll get, get some comfort food at the end of the day. And I had to for today. So that was my, my mm. foodie Sunday. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, can you, can you talk about sort of like you started doing Carly a lot? Um, in recent years, uh, sort of, you sort of talk about your experience of that compared to sort of jujitsu and adding it in with the self defense aspect. Yep. So actually, I've been training about the same. So I started Arnie's okay. around the same time in the in the mid nineties. Um, I was lucky; one of my instructors was at the same grappling school. So I trained it the whole way through. Like jujitsu is my passion, but um, Carl, like I started Arnie's way back then. It was 2008 where I met Ray Flora, who's my, who's my master now. Um, we've been training with Ray, so it's 12 years now. And, um, yeah, we tried to get down there often, as often as I can, not, not so much now in COVID, but mm. it's a, it's a beautiful yeah. I'm Like that's, you know, um, like I haven't had any trouble in the street in a long time, but, you know, truth be told, like, uh, our niece is, is a cold Kali is, is like comes before Jiu Jitsu. So mm. it's, uh, it's, it's excellent for self defense. Um, and it's like, Jiu-Jitsu, like uh, Kali will blend beautifully with Kung Fu, Karate, Kickboxing, whatever. Same as like Jiu-Jitsu will go well with Karate or Kung Fu. It's like it's because it sits on on the end of kind of the, mm. the ranges. So, um, yeah, improvised weapons. Like if someone asks me, like, you know, as a coach, the hardest questions I get asked is like, what do I do if the, the guy has a knife? You know, what else do I do if there's more than one person? Mm. And my first answer would be um, Kali. And, and I don't know. Think Hoist would mind me saying that? Like Hoist will tell you, he he shoots better than he fights. Like if you um if you break into his house, he's not going to be armbarring you. He's going to be um, looking at you through a scope. Yeah. So um yeah, it's it's a uh, highly recommended and, and like I said, it's and, and those combine so well with each other. Mm. It's it's amazing. Um so yeah, highly recommend anyone who trains jiu-jitsu train Carly. If you train Carly, train jiu-jitsu. Mm. Oh, having said that, like with regards to sort of martial art, the term martial sort of like what i think it's americanized version of sort of the gentle art like martial arts is more about defense but the martial aspects maybe has more defense and offense connotation so like with regards to martial versus that like the versus the art when's the when's the time for martial versus art like the last 20 years the art has been predominant with all the leg locks and everything else with in jiu-jitsu but like or the martial arts just in general, but jiu-jitsu especially, but in terms of like the martial side, you know, like, and, you know, we've had history 
history, like in China and all that. Like when the Japanese were there, with the you see a lot of the movies of the occupations and that, and you know, um, suppressing the martial arts there. And like now at the moment in Victoria, we can't <laughs> we can't even be near each other, let alone do jujitsu. So we have, we've got to learn a lot of the chi. A lot of the chi, sort of <laughs> jujitsu, sort of, no kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah, the the Rona one punch six foot knockout. Yeah, but anyway, so uh, yeah, just with regards to martial versus art, when's the time to be artful versus martial? Yeah, as you're asking that question, I'm trying to remember. There's Chris Houser has a has a really good saying. It's like train sport. Think street practice art. So if I've, if I've quoted that incorrectly, like Google it or whatever, he has a, a few really good like sayings. Is that they're on the the Wally's Academy in Canberra with Coach Mitch, and I think that's it. So I don't think you can you can have you can have both of them at the same time. So um, it's, it's it's the same old thing. You know, the guys who say they they train purely for the street probably you know, and they don't train sport grappling probably can't do either. I think you need to be holistic. Like I. Try, I'm, I'm, you know, I've, I've got a lot of work to do. I try and learn all the new leg lock stuff, but I still practice all the, mm. you know, um, like the aggressive self-defense. I try and do everything, you know. I think uh, uh, that's my passion is like to be, to learn all of it. And as a, as a coach, like have some students who are a little bit more towards self-defense, especially people who do it for a living, like police and, you know, security and military and stuff like that, just just students in my academy. And, and then you have folks who want to compete and, and do that. So, you know, I like to be able to at least get them started on that journey. And then in my academy, I have guys who, you know, far better leg locks at me than me, you know, far better self-defense than me and stuff like that. And that, that's a beautiful thing. Like they, they coach me back, you know, so, um, yeah, very, very interesting. And, uh, you know, you talked about the, you know, the had jiu-jitsu started on the battlefield in, in Japan and Asia and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But the same thing's still happening now. Like, is it very interesting? I was training. With um, Paul Kale the, the other day, he's like the one of the Australian mm. um, army instructors, and they're still bringing lessons from the battlefield in, you know, in the Middle East and stuff like that, and bringing that back to jiu-jitsu. So, yeah, that was some of the, the most interesting things I learned from him, like why they prefer certain positions, um, like side control over mount um, for the military compared to civilians like myself. You know, so, so um, and the pros and cons. So I think, and that's 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 always what I say with my, my students is not better or worse or right or wrong it's pros and cons so there's one thing that's right for a soldier who's wearing kit and has weapons and stuff and there's something like me who's maybe just dealing with someone who's got their car all angry and i want to hold them down till mm. the police come and, and arrest them or arrest us you know so yeah <laughs> yeah that's cool um yeah i have to check that out like i would say it's a pretty cool yeah he's like professor's a bit the same he's like he because he's smaller he He's like, I don't want to be on mounts in the street. I'd rather be knee, like a knee right or a side, you know. Um, yeah. It, but it depends. All on depends how hairy the situation is. Kind of like, you know, there's control and restraint and there's mm-hmm. defensive tactics. If you're fighting for your life, I think mount for civilians like myself is is, is fine. You know? Yeah, 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 for sure. Haven't rolled for oh, it's probably been five months now. When's it, since what, February, I think? Yeah, it's. Uh, I feel for you guys. It sucks because you never really got back to training, did you? It was about you were about to get back to training. The, the oh, it no. went backwards. No, we we went. We started the um, kids program back for a couple of weeks, yep. and then after the holidays, I think. But then they shut it down again, 
and it's like even worse now than before. So yeah, and it seems to be getting worse every day, and it's like, ooh, okay. Pretty yeah, and it could, could go that way here any minute now. So um, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's like stressful here. Like every any day, it could be like I'm not sure. Like how, like this whole thing, I've I've never been able to read it the whole way along. I thought it was a joke in February. You know, mm. not a joke. You know, it wasn't funny, but it was just I didn't think it was serious. And then we went from zero to 100. Mm. All of a sudden, can't leave the house, can't train. And, and uh, yeah, the worst thing is just like, especially that first lockdown was not knowing when the end was going to be. But mm. who knows? Yeah, I just feel like there's goalposts changing. So it's like, uh, you know, you try to be a good citizen. <laughs> um, you, yeah. You don't know what's going on. And, and you just don't hear any anyone like owning up to any mistakes anymore and it's a bit of a shame in uh today's society with the, all that sort of stuff because like you know we've got the media and it's like everyone's stuck at home and you know you got you know like your wife has the gracie diet her book and like a lot of that's helpful for diet is a major part of the immune system like how to control yep. and keep it going so it's like while we're all locked down and we know who the um, who's more vulnerable than the rest of us, uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, I'm not sure where I was going to go with that. Kind of lost my track of thought, but uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's so yeah, she helps my 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 um, parents are obviously elderly, so mm-hmm. Angela gives them suggestions. She's also done like a lot of courses in nutrition and vitamins mm. and stuff and, and she gives them recommendations so she can mm. help people like that so well it's just like but yeah, yeah there's so much saying. information out there it's hard to know what, what well, the deal is like what well you just, you'd like to think that in uh, within the last hundred years of medical research there is something in there is there are things in there that we've always known that can help with the immu- building the immune system rather than doing things that we know actually hurts the immune system, like being locked down, being under stress, under cortisol, that raises, raises um, or lowers your immunity, I guess. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's just like it's just hard to know with the, when everyone's so scared to mention any kind of, like, immunity-boosting thing, but there has to be something, you know, and they just haven't, like, um, they're not telling us. They're banning it, like if you say vitamin C, if you say vitamins and minerals and diet, oh, you, you can help boost your immune. Like, why aren't they doing that? Like, that's the question I have. It's like we should be having how we why aren't we helping the elderly with daily advice like that? There's hundred years of research if we can't trust in a hundred years of medical research. Then what was the point of it? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's hard to know. I really don't understand the whole dynamic. Like, I think uh, the media has a lot to blame. I think the media has a lot to blame the politicians sometimes. Like, mm. uh, I understand why they do what they do, but, you know, they've got to get clicks and stuff. But I think um, they've caused a lot more harm than good. Yeah, that, that's sort of what I feel. And um, they've, got, they've got everyone just yelling at each other kind of thing and, like social media is a big part of it as well, but it's like everyone's sort of at each other's throats and it's like, it's like yep. whoa, <laughs> that escalated quickly, like you said before. Like we went from, oh, yeah, it's a bit of a 
don't know what's going on to full health, 100%. Then it's like, uh, after a while, it's like we've, it's almost like we've been under hypnosis with all the, yeah. you know, all the fear and the news. Yeah, it's it's turning in every man, every man for himself, every mm. person for themselves pretty, very quickly, you know, and I'm, I'm just as guilty of that. Like, I just want to train. So, like, I was a, or, you know, people would say I'm a conspiracy theorist who know me, but I'm like, I, I, I give up. I'll, if, if I'll wear a mask, I'll get the tattoo. I'll, if, as long as I keep training jujitsu, I'll do whatever I have to do. Like, I just want to train after all this has been through. But, um, yeah, you see people are fighting like cats and dogs kind of thing on, you know, people, everyone's on edge, like yourself included. And yeah, it's, it's very, very stressful times. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit like a, it's almost like you, we're just hearing the extreme views on both sides and there's no sensible people actually uh, debating the views anymore. Like, I don't know, you remember the day they used to always debate and you hear both sides of the story, big long forum debate, debate, not a, like a 10 second vine grab, <laughs> you know, so, and it's like, yeah, what do you believe when it's like there's no one in the, you know, in the same middle anymore? It's kind of like everyone's like gone to their sides and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it there's some people. Happen. Some people are like, we have to lock down. We should lock down indefinitely. But you know, um, you know, I understand there's there's two sides to it. But I think a lot of those people have no skin in the game. There's people in the jiu-jitsu community who are saying we should lock down indefinitely. Mm-hmm. But a lot of those guys are have profited from the lockdowns you know so um yeah well you're incentivizing people to want to stay home and actually profiting profiting not not just like some people are getting paid more to stay home than to actually work which that doesn't seem to be the way the world (laughs) works to me but it seems weird yeah yeah Yeah, it's it's hard like you know i don't like to, to to criticize like i I've, I've had I've got problems, but they're like first world problems. Like I understand a lot of people are doing it a lot a lot tougher than me. So you know. Um, well, what kind yeah. of solutions do you think? Just in your opinion, that we can like you know, we're just talking opinions here. I guess we're not we're by no means uh, <clears throat> medical or whatever experts, but yeah. Um, just in your in your opinion, because I reckon like with yeah with staff. If people knew how bad that was, and just one infection, that'll that would be enough to ban jujitsu forever. If that gets out on the news, if it's reported in the right way, it's like oh, you can never do any kind of contact martial arts, even other sports, because of that. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, staff, staff is is not a a thing unique to jujitsu. It's any time you have skin on skin contact. So mm. staff is is as I understand it common in, in some of the Kung Fu's where they do a lot of the sparring like this. It's like whenever your skin is chafing on skin. So yeah, you're right though. Like, uh, the, I, and again, I understand that's the whole reason the gear was invented to help prevent some of this, like, uh, the, these diseases that humans carry on them, like anytime they come in close contact. Um, but, you know, I've been doing it for a long time with, you know, it's, it's like a risk and reward. Every, everything we do in life has to be like a you know, risk versus reward. We do a risk analysis and, mm. and we see if the, if the benefits outweigh the, the, the risks. And I think, um, in my opinion, I'm biased, of course, clearly for jiu-jitsu and the martial arts, they, they, they do, you know, because you, you have 
just at, at a high level. So not talking about coronaviruses. Like, you know, I have, again, parents that I'm worried about and stuff like that. So I'm mm. not heartless, heartless at all. I'm very concerned for, for them and other friends who, you know, are, are not elderly but are at risk from it. But you can do kind of two things in the world. You say, I'm worried about dropping this remote control. What I can do is like this is the thing that's at risk. I can protect the remote control and put bubble wrap around the remote control. Or I can say, okay, no, everywhere else, room, outstairs, the front row, the road, I have to put bubble wrap everywhere else, you know, and um, and seems what they want to do right now is put bubble wrap everywhere. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it's uh, It seems that way, like, yeah, but it, I don't know, it's very confusing. But I just, yeah, I just hope this doesn't, like, uh, uh, sort of spread sort of to you guys as well and north of the border. Hopefully this does end in a quicker rather than later. But yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting like if you and I talk in a few years time and look back on this. I think it's um it's a it's an interesting period in time and then what what we'll what we'll say about twenty twenty in hindsight it'll be be fascinating because this is like again I have led a very sheltered existence. I was born, good family, went to school, got a job and, and I'm here. Nothing really um, traumatic's ever happened to me. And then this is like, and again, still first world problems, but this is the most historically significant thing that's happened to me, me personally in, in, in my life. You know, the next closest would have been September 11. And, you know, yeah. um, that kind of changed the world and changed our, our day-to-day lives, you know. Well, um, so It is a first world problem, but it isn't. It's kind of like an old world problem. And the first mm, world mm. could easily become the third world. I've sort of seen it myself. Uh, yeah. You know, like certain countries in Europe. And like I've, I've done a lot of travel. I've been in countries where the banks have collapsed or they've taken all the monies out, all the money out of it, anyone that had more than a certain amount in, in the bank. And that's something they've signed over here kind of as well, just sort of, you know, in the backgrounds. Um yeah, I saw that in the news today. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, all these things that they're signing in that it's like, wait a minute. It's not like many of these issues, like locking down quarantine, like these things have been in thought of in place. And it's like, it's not like this is new. Like we've, we've known about these issues before. And it's just the way it's been handled has been annoying. But, um, just want to, just with regards to sort of learning and just change the topic a bit, um, how has Jiu-Jitsu helped you sort of in general life and like with regards to um, teaching, like what have you learned from teaching, what have you learned from your students and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, so not really answer your question, but you, you talked about learning there, that my parents were huge on learning, like they're like, that was they, something, one thing they drilled into me like the whole time growing up is like, you know, certain things will come and go, but when, you know, education is something that doesn't perish. You know, I mean, it, it stays with you for the rest of your life. You know, you earn the, you earn the degree, you have that degree for the whole life. You earn the black belt, you have the black belt for the rest of your life. So, um, my mm, main thing is, and it's my hashtag, if you see, I'll have my little hashtag on Instagram. I'm learning about these things as a boomer is always learning. So before lockdown, you know, pretty much every weekend or every second weekend, I was in Sydney at a seminar. I was, I was actually getting quite burnt out doing it, you know, because again, work full time, teach full time, and then go down to Sydney. But for me, it was worth it because every, every second weekend, you had some amazing learning opportunity. And, and anytime I didn't go, I'd always end up kicking myself like, man, I, I regret not going. And, 
and learning that, you know, attending that seminar or, you know, just going down and training with Ray, my coach and stuff like that. So, um, and, and I think that, you know, I, I'd like to think I'm a good instructor. And I think that's one thing that helps me um, remain a good instructor is that I'm, you know, I'm still hundred percent coach, but I'm still hundred percent a student, you know, and really, I, I, I really enjoy learning new stuff and then, you know, developing and going back and sharing with, with my, my folks at, at the academy. Yeah, any uh, sort of com- concepts or tips that you that have stuck with you? Jiu-jitsu, you mean, like specifically in jiu-jitsu? Yeah, like a, yeah, like a well, something that could be translated to life. One thing that, like, this is my philosophy right now. So my dad gave me a book. Um, Legacy. It's a, again, we we're talking about sports before. It's, it's written by the guy who followed around the All Blacks rugby team. And I'm, again, I've never watched a rugby game in my life. Never. Mm-hmm. Okay. But this book was amazing. I bought a couple of copies and given them to, to friends around the world. And it's like the best self help book ever. If everyone read a good book, Legacy. And, and it's, it's like on the back page or whatever. It's like the, 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 the prime directive of the, the All Blacks is to leave the jersey in a better place. You know, so when you finish the game, uh, you finished your career, you've done something to contribute to the sport, and that's that's my goal. Is you know I haven't haven't got there yet, but hopefully, you know when I when I hang up the gear, I'll, I'll leave, leave the gear in a better place. Like that's my that's my goal. You know, if I could achieve like you know Master Pedro, the, the, the Gracies, like you know, of course I won't achieve that, but you know if we can just contribute a little. Then you know that would that would be um, I consider it like a, a a worthy goal, you know. Well, you've got you've sort of got the network there, and you teach your students, and then you teach your students teach their students and their students, and then they come back, and then and like that's sort of like the professor's uh, philosophy, and it's like go go out and collect all the moves and come back, and let's all work together, and and you can still learn from a blue belt or a purple belt or a lower rank belt, even the white belt can teach you something. You know, they might yep, see absolutely. one little thing that's that's di- you know different. Yep. Than a white belt. You're talking about life. Hmm? yeah, you're talking about life in general. Like my and I, I've other people. Like this isn't something that I made up. I've heard other people say it eloquently. But like everyone on the mat is a black belt at something. Maybe not a black belt at jiu-jitsu, but the, this person's a black belt in diet. That person's a black belt at you know psychology or black belt as a any anything you, you you choose, you know. So you, you absolutely someone every everyone on the world on the mat is world class at something, you know. So if you if you just keep your your eyes and ears open, you you'll learn something for everyone. Yeah, cool. Um, and just with regards to your obviously you've been doing this a while. So your body with injuries, like uh, sort of being the impaired grappler podcast, I'd like to sort of just go through your sort of history of injuries and like what you've learned and if there's any. Uh, techniques out there that can maybe help anyone that you do or that you've actually done. You, know, maybe you might not do it now, but like uh, instead of, is there, I guess, protocols of anything. Yep. yep. So um, everything's a little bit hurt, like a little bit. Like I feel like I'm in very good shape, like injury-wise. Um, never had any severe injuries. No, you know, I've had actually a surgery on my elbow and that a, a little while ago. But I've been very, very lucky. Like nothing traumatic, just a few things here and there. Like everything aches a little bit. Um, uh, I stretch 
a lot every day. Like um, I stretch from head to toe every day. Um, in, in my day job, like uh, I'm lucky that I've just like work in a cube, I can stand up, stretch this, do some work, stand up, stretch that. But I stretch everything from head to toe. Um, so how, how long do you do I, that? Uh, like how long do I hold a stretch for? Yeah, 20 seconds. I think it's just, I just, my, my goal at the end of the day from, is to have taken every, everything from my fingers to my toes to my neck to everything through its range of motion. You know, I think it's a, it's a, it's a crime almost the way some people go through life. The, the whole day they'll stay like this and then they'll go to bed and they get up and they're like this. You know, I should take every single thing just through its range of motion. And if I do that, then I'm, then I'm okay. Um, doesn't have to be, uh, ballistic doesn't have to be like some massive yoga stretch, but just through the range of motion and, um, and, uh, joint rotations on, it's been helping me a lot. I did a seminar, um, with, with Ricardo Laborio, um, last year. And one of the other black belts there, Professor Eddie from BT1 was talking to me. He's an older black belt, but moves so well and looks half his age. And I was asking what his secret was. And he, he was talking about how as, as you age, it's not the muscles that look at the problem, it's the joints. And so he does like joint rotations rather than just trying to lengthen the hamstrings and et cetera. And so since I've started doing like joint rotations and especially my hips and my, my shoulders, I feel it's, it's helped me a lot. You know, there's this um, CAR, like controlled articular rotation. If you just like Google CAR, um, that, that, that's helped me a lot as well. All right, cool. And do you do it? Uh, do you do a cold or do you warm up first? Like, um, cause I'm more of a fan of more dynamic stretching than it's like, yeah, I don't really like the cold. Um, yeah, I, I don't warm up. I don't have time. Like I come straight from work to the academy. So the technique is by warm up. Hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I probably, probably will regret that maybe in the years to come, but yeah, I really, uh, and I'm always like, Again, as I get older and older, I'm on the mat six days a week, you know, sometimes mm. a couple of times a day, and I, I train the whole class. So mm. I have to use my energy wisely. So if I do like a hard warm-up, then yeah. I, I can't coach effectively towards the end of the night. So, um, yeah, I, I not that I skip warm-ups. We just – the technique is the warm-up. Yeah, so like when you say range of motion, you sort of do it. Um, but you're not doing it to fatigue yourself or – Absolutely, yeah, no fatigue. Just just to go through the range of motion. It should almost be enjoyable, pleasant, therapeutic, you know. So, you know, I'll just turn as side of my left as I can, look up, look down. You know, you have like the three range yeah. of motions up and left and right and laterally. Just all that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, well, that, I guess you're sort of warming warming up each of your – that's kind yes. of a warm-up of each because you're not like stressing yeah. it too much. Yeah, yeah well, it's, a, it's a day-long warm-up. Yeah, you're right. When I get to the academy, I've, I've, I've stretched everything and I've identified – you know, if I have a niggling injury, that's so that's the problem when you when you have an injury you don't know about, like you tweaked it the day before, mm. and then you roll hard, and then you know you tear through the rest of whatever it was. So, yeah. So you're saying like you spread it out over a day to do each part, or yep, yep. I so maybe like a, uh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, between like so, I work from six thirty till three. So the every fifteen minutes, I'll do a stretch or two, and then just go back to my work. You know, stretch the whole day. Um, rather than because if I did all at once, it would take like an hour or two hours, but you know, just spread out over the day, yeah. All right, so you're doing like an, an hour or two worth of stretching a day, spread out throughout yeah. the day, okay? Well, that, that, yeah. That's fine, yes, and, yeah. and I think in your the way you're doing it, you don't actually need to warm up because you're not right, yeah. But if you were going under pr 
pressure, you'd probably injure yourself if you if you didn't warm yeah. up, if you did it under under um yeah under tension. Yeah, when I roll normally the first roll round or two I do pretty light just to mm. again just just get you that that's my warm up too. So. Yeah. Oh, that's fair enough. Um just with regards to all the great martial artists that you've met and the people over the years, uh, have you noticed any similarities between them? Uh, that they've mm. yeah. So let's talk about the, the Gracies and, and the Brazilians in particular. Yeah. I think um, the, the thing I've noticed with them, like the, the best friend you could ever have, okay, but in the, and, the, and the last person you want to be on their bad side of, which, which, which I haven't, but, you know, I think it's a, it's a, it's a common thing. Like those, the, the, you know, um, all the family, like amazing, like the most kind and welcoming people like to me. But, you know, if the if the people come from the other side and come with an attitude, it's like you're in for a bad day. Mm. Yeah, it seems like that. Yeah, like, see, yeah, you see, like, uh, when you when you meet a Gracie, they're, like, really, uh, they've got that stern look on their face. But then, like, like if you meet them maybe at a seminar, then if you, like, meet them in, the per- in person, like, out for coffee or something, like, I th- um, they are so friendly. Like I think I came and met uh, in your hotel room. I came and met you guys one day um, with Hoist. And like mm-hmm. at the seminars, it's all serious. But then like when I met him in person, like, hey man, you want to take a photo? Hey, how are you going, brother? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, but like, yeah, sort yeah. Of like the I think they just they take their they take their teaching very seriously. So when they're there to teach, they're there to um, you know to do their do their job kind of thing. So I get that. Well, like you said before, like it's their legacy. Yeah. You know, so yeah. Like yeah. So the, the mat's not a, a place to goof around kind of thing for a lot of them. And, I, and that, that's that's fair enough too. Yeah. Cool. So just um, we kind of touched on this, but any, um, is there any, any routines pre Rona that you've changed or like during Rona and then like post Rona that you're thinking about? Just life in general, talking about? Uh, yeah, yeah, just in general, yeah. Like that, like sort of so, daily routines, like so, you were talking about the stretching and that. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to be less, you know, more, more efficient and less wasteful with my time, you know. So before the lockdown, you know, like I, I complain about how busy I am because I work full-time, teach full-time. But you know, I wasted a lot of time, and then we had the the lockdown, and I had all this time on my hands. But I actually, got probably less done with all this time where I couldn't go to the academy because I just like, you know, just watched YouTube and and and, and dumb stuff. So now that now that I've we're out of it and I'm kind of out of out of the the doldrums, I'm trying to you know make the most of the the time that I have, okay, and and um, you know like. Before Rona, like every every now and then, I'd knock back a roll. I know I'll roll with you tomorrow. I'll roll with you next week. But now I know maybe I won't be allowed to roll tomorrow. So um, I'll, I'll take every opportunity I can on the mat and that kind of thing, and, and be more, you know, be more grateful for those opportunities. Yeah, I definitely feel that <laughs> uh, down here, not being able to not being able to roll at all. Um, yeah, yeah, pretty. 
yeah, it's pretty pretty tough, but that's right. Like that, that's my like physical therapy, mental therapy, and like I guess with it, I guess with everyone. Um, but well, it's good that you guys are still um, able to roll and train up there. But yeah, so anyway, we'll just leave it there. I just want to ask one final question. Uh, sure. I've asked this for a lot of people before, but how have you found ordering chaos in your life? Um, I guess it, that might be way different pre and post Rona, but like maybe like if you, any lessons, life lessons from something that you've yeah experienced in the past, where you've gotten through something pre Rona that's maybe even helped you during the Rona. Yeah, I I don't deal well with chaos at all. I need I need order in my life. I'm, you know, I don't think anyone who does jiu-jitsu is normal. I'm not a normal person. And I think, you know, I, again, like I work and I teach, uh, I think because I need that structure. Like my day pretty much every day is the same. And 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 um, I didn't handle it at all, at all well during corona. Like I, it really knocked me around like in a lot of ways. So I think, um, it, you know, I never – I. I always thought I was a humble person, but um, I realized like through Corona, I really had no idea about how the world works. And I thought, you know, um, I thought I knew how, you know, things work, but just it really set me on my bum, this whole thing and made me like revisit my whole perspective on life, you know, and, Mm. and, um, and, you know, we talk about jujitsu and family and I was never paying at lip service, but I never realized until the, the Corona, like how, much my students much my friends are my family like I, I help some and, and a lot of them you know helped me get through it and, and you know you wouldn't imagine how much um support i needed and how much support i got you know so some really you know um really you know again changed my whole perspective on everything i look, look at the world with different eyes now i think you know i think it's going to make me a better i was saying this to my students i think it's going to make me a better coach a better son brother family you know um, friend you know hopefully Learn, learn from these mis- mis- misfortunes. Hopefully, something something good will come out of all this bad. Yeah, it's, uh, I think you can learn a lot of hard truths about yourself, and like you said, like you know, it's very humbling, and um, you sort of get to see sort of some of the negative aspects of your of yourself, and hopefully, you can improve on that and absolutely uh, move forward and like learn and just like. The thing is, like, people aren't honest with themselves, so you just sort of need to be honest with yourself. And, like, uh, Absolutely. we've all got our own self-image and I think a lot, um, a lot of the social media is making that, like, way worse these days. So Yeah, um, that's a good way to put it. My self-image was shattered by this whole thing, even though I thought, you know, like, I still believe I'm a good person, but it just, like, man, just knocked me for six, yeah. Yeah, well, and don't take things for granted coming from yes, Victoria. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, all right. Uh, is there anything else you want to add to that? Um, thanks for coming along. Thanks for doing this. Um, no, thanks yeah. for the opportunity. Like I said, first, right. first interview ever. So hopefully, hopefully I didn't make too many goofs or anything like that. So no, it was all good. Very, very good questions. I appreciate, appreciate the time and the conversation. Very, uh, um, very insightful. Yeah. Yeah. No worries. I'm not sure if they were the best questions, but, uh, hopefully I, I got some good answers out of you. I was, Um, pretty cool but anyway all right thanks everyone thanks for watching and we'll catch you guys next time all right thank you thank you all right 
Alrighty, guys, I hope you enjoyed that podcast with Luke. Yeah, it was a pretty interesting conversation. I really enjoyed it. So hope you guys did too and took something away from it, even if it was only just the audio and um, yeah, stuff up the video. So the technical difficulties for the video were basically because, well, I've got all this equipment set up. My cameras, are capture cards and the uh, audio device, the monitors and OBS, using OBS and Zoom had everything going, everything recorded, but I just forgot to press record on Zoom. I thought I did, I thought it was recording, uh, but yeah, it didn't record. So it's sort of stuffed up the video on that, but that's all right, we'll live and learn and hopefully you still uh, took something from it. Yeah, so be sure to check out Luke's School if you're ever in Newcastle. Uh, be sure to check out Angela's book uh, if you're interested in the Gracie Diet. There's some cool recipes in there. Check the links and everything in, in the description. Um, yeah, so apologies again. Hopefully you still enjoyed. So follow, like, subscribe, share, comment down below. And yeah, we'll catch you next time. Peace.